Hi, and thanks for checking out our City Reach Philly podcast from wherever you are listening. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Talk about strongholds, and, and we've been talking about strongholds for the last few weeks, and strongholds, what are they? They're lies. They're lies that become truth in our, our, li- in, in our lives, so it's a, it's a lie that I've accepted, and, um, and it keeps me prisoner. That's what I call a stronghold. Um, there's a slide that you'll see up here that, that I think is a great definition that says anything that exalts itself in your mind, pretending, because it's not true, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than our God. We all have some strongholds we've got to fight against. There's some things that sometimes we, 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 we conquer one and another one rises up uh, because our enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver, so he uses strongholds to keep us down. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the stronghold of addiction. And um, it's that thing that you want to stop doing, but you can't seem to stop doing it. And we, we talked about that, um, that stronghold. Last week, we talked about uh, the stronghold of sexual lies. Um, and, and it was powerful. We had uh, some persons here who found some liberation, some freedom from some of those lies. Can we give them glory for that? And today we're going to talk about a topic that touches every one of us. Um, and, uh, and I love this topic, even though I don't talk about it enough. It's, it's a powerful topic. But let's go right to the verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is the verse that we've been uh, using for the last few weeks. Where it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. How many want to demolish some strongholds in your life? So we need that divine power uh, to demolish the stronghold. We demolish arguments and pretension, again lies, that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And what's that saying? There's some things that we think all the time that keep us bound, that keep us from moving forward. And we have to take those thoughts and we have to take them captive in the name of Jesus and make them obedient to God's word. That, that's what that's saying here. Um, and today, um, this is probably the most requested topic um, that we get in our prayer cards or when I, when I talk to folks. And it's the topic is the stronghold of finances. Um, so it's a topic that that sometimes we don't want to talk about, and, and um, but it's it's so important um, because the Bible offers 500 verses about prayer. It offers less than 500 about faith, yet it offers two, over 2,000 verses about finances. That's how important it is. Um, one in every seven verses in the New Testament deals with our finances. So Jesus and the God are trying to say that this is very important. And, and it's important for a lot of reasons. One thing I always say is that your wallet is attached to your heart. It's attached to your heart. There's a connection there. Um, and, and truth be told, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say some things that might, might you know, shake you a little. But, that, but that's good. Um, there was a survey done in America a few years ago. And the question was this, what would you do for $10 million? So I don't know if you've ever thought about that question. I have. I've thought about it. I win the lottery, right? Um, and so they asked Americans this question. 
What would they do for $10 million? 25% said they would abandon their entire family for $10 million. 23% said they would prostitute themselves for a week for $10 million. 10% said they would let a murderer go free from prison for $10 million. 7% said they would murder somebody for $10 million. And 5% said they would put their kids up for adoption for $10 million. Nope, you don't have to admit it. <laughs> if you thought about it, it's kind of crazy. But money has this, uh, this control over us in so many ways. And, and I'm not gonna lie, I dreamt about it. If I would win the lottery, what would I do? I'll pay all my debt off, I'll buy a house, I'll put investment, I thought those things. If, if I said I didn't, I'd be lying. But today we're gonna talk a little bit about that stronghold. Um, so how do we get to this place uh, of where money becomes so important to where money um, begins to control us? So we're going to book, look at the, the book of Luke, chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. It says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. What is that saying? It's just saying if, you, if, if I can trust you with a little, I can trust you with a lot. That's yes, all that's saying. It says, he who is unjust in what, we, what is least is unjust also in much. Same thing. If I can't trust you with a little, I can't trust you with a lot. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous man, who will commit your trust the true riches? It says, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? It says, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I want to talk a little bit about what mammon means, because uh, I want you to understand that a lot of versions of the Bible, it'll, talk, it'll say money. You can't um, serve God and money. Um, and we're going to go a little bit deeper into that so you can understand that. Um, but it says you can't have two masters. And how many have tried to serve two masters? Amen. Kind of straddle the line. Today I'm serving this master. Tomorrow I'm serving this day. Or in the morning I'm going to serve the Lord. In the afternoon, in the evening, I'm going to serve the other master. Yes. Um, so where does this word mammon come from? Let's talk about that. So mammon was actually the god of riches that originated in Babylon. So it's the god of riches. His name is Mammon. He's a, it's a spirit. It's a god. Um, and Babylon means confusion. The word Babylon means confusion. What, what happened was it originated in Babylon. The Syrians, they took the same god and they made it their own. So in that second little quote there you see, or um, uh, it, says, it says, Mammon was the god of riches who was then adopted by the Syrians. Okay. And that is why uh, when we talk about sometimes finances, there's a lot of confusion about finances. I can prove to you that there's a lot of, of confusion when it comes to finances if you just look at the United States government, right? Yeah. There's a lot of confusion about money, about finances. You just look at the average American home and you'll find that there's a lot of confusion when it comes to finances. How many have ever taken like a finance class? How many actually did what the finance class said? All right. Still a little confusion, right? I tried. No. 
But there's some, there, there, there's some direct issues here when it comes to it. Why is it? Because see, uh, uh, I want to make a couple things clear. First, mammon and money are not the same thing. They're related, but they're not the same thing because mammon is the spirit, and you'll see it up there. Mammon is the spirit that rests on money, that has not been submitted to God. It's the spirit that rests on money. So money in sea is not evil. The Bible says that the root, that the love of money is the root of all evil. But not, money per se is not bad, but there's a spirit called mammon that if it rests on your money, your money's cursed. So money that has been submitted to the Spirit of God can then be used for His purposes and it's blessed. Um, and God is the only one who can take money that's been dedicated to mammon if we, if we allow God to do it and He makes it into true riches. Um, I, I love what that says. I, I'm hoping you guys are getting that. Here's the next thing. All money has one spirit or the other. Has one or the other. There's no, money's never neutral. It either is blessed or it's cursed. We need to understand that as we go forward in our lives. So I'm 45 years old. I need to understand that for the next 40, 30, 20 years that I have left on is that money is never neutral. It either belongs to mammon or it's been blessed by God. Money with the spirit of mammon promises everything, but delivers nothing. Y'all getting this? That's good. That's good. So mammon brings some lies with it, and we all fall into these lies. I fall into the lies. I get tempted by the lies of mammon. A lie number one: money will make you secure. That's the lie number one. And you can leave that one up there. See, the spirit of mammon lies to us. It says that you'll be secure. We even have a a a. a, a a term for it is called financial security. Yeah. Um, but, but the truth is that that's a lie. I, I, I watched the movie the other day, and I watched it just because I, I loved one of the quotes on it when I was watching the, the trailer. And the movie was All the Money in the World. I don't know if anybody saw it. With Mark Wahlberg. And he's dealing with this oil tycoon, a guy who owned oil fields, an older man who had tons and tons of money. He had so much money. And in the film, and, and, and this is based on a true story, so I'm not sure if, the, if, if this actually happened, but in the movie, Mark Wahlberg goes up to Richard Getty, an older man, and he tells, he asks him this question, how much money is enough? And this is what the tycoon says. Richard Getty says this, a little bit more. A little bit more. Wow. A little bit more. There's never enough money when it's dedicated to man, to the spirit of man. It's never enough. It's never, he'll never be satisfied. Um, again, it's okay to have money. I'm not saying that. Praise God. We need money. Um, it's okay to have money, but it's not okay for money to have you. Amen? That's the difference. You can have money, but don't let money own you. And that's what happens. That's why Jesus said it's harder for, for a rich man right, to get into the kingdom of heaven Right? It's hard because of, of the spirit of mammon. Um, we can't allow it to, to begin to, um, to, to, to own us. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 11, it says, The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. So it's a stronghold. So rich folks, and if you're rich in the house, praise the Lord. 
But rich people, what they think, they, they put all their faith in their money. They believe that their money is going to protect them. They believe their money is their fortified city. And they, they imagine, because it's not true, that no one can scale that wall. That if they have enough money, they're good. That no one can ever touch them. That they're untouchable. But that's a lie. It says they imagine it because it's not true. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. it says, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall. But the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. And even in the, the movie that I watched, this man, he, he died with so much money and, and so much artwork and so much stuff. And he just, it all stayed here. Yeah. It all stayed here. It, it all stays here. Yes. Lie number two, money will make me important. This is one of the biggest ones that we deal with, especially in our context, especially the way... Uh, what we what we watch on TV, it says um, it says um, our identities are so entrenched in our possessions and money that that's where we find our value. We find our value in what kind of car I'm driving. We find our value in how much my house is worth. We find, in fact, that's why when you go to uh, basically any kind of social um, event, it could be at work or something, or it could be, uh, I, I, you know, I've been in some different locations with different kind of people, and the first thing is they ask you is, what do you do for a living? Yeah. Yeah. What do you do for a living? They say, how are you? They don't say, you know, where are you from? They say, what do you do for a living? Because then that tells them what, that they can put you in a category. They can identify you according to what you do, because that tells you base tells them basically how much you make. Because it's all about how much you make, right? And then we can go around sometimes in our lives thinking, if I only had a better car, people would respect me more. If I had more expensive clothes, people would honor me more. And then we begin to let the things we own define who we are. Luke 12, 15, it says, Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed, for life is not measured by how much you own. This is the word of God speaking to us. And if we feel ourselves being, like starting to hoard some stuff, if we feel ourselves starting, starting to put our faith in, in our things or our money, um, we, we probably need to write this verse and put it up somewhere, print it out. It says, Because life is not measured by how much you own. And maybe, maybe you say, well, I don't really deal with that, Pastor. I'm good in that area. I guarantee you know two or three people who need help in this area. Yes, yes. And maybe it's you. Maybe it's not. But I know there's been moments in my life where I've had to deal with this. Yes. There's been moments in my life when I've had to deal with, there's moments that it comes back to haunt me, right? Where it rises up and I start to look. And especially when we get anxious or there's anxiety, then we start to look. We want to put our faith in something. And a lot of times we put it in our possessions. We put it in our job. We put our faith in how much money is in the bank. Yes. Lie number three. Money will make me happy. It's a lie. Some of the most miserable people I know have money. Yeah. Amen. Yes. So if I had money, though, I would be happy. That's a lie. It's a lie. Some of the richest people in the world are, are the loneliest people in the world. Loneliest, alone. When your money or your stuff becomes your God, 
you can never have enough of it. If you gotta buy a new TV every six months, you may want to check yourself. I knew a guy. No, I, I, I knew a guy growing up, and I was young. I must have been like 10 years old, like these young people here, or these people older. But, but I knew a guy, he was kind of semi-related to me, um, and he had a new car all the time, like every seven months, brand new car, brand new car. And I was young, I was like 9, 10, I looked up to him. He always had the latest TV, you know, you know those people, right? Maybe you were one of them too at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The latest, everything the latest. And then, you know, as I got older, I started to realize, and, and I, you know, I you know, turned 12 and 13 and 15 and 17, and when I got, you know, a little eight, about 18, 19 years old, I'm asking, I'm like, I'm watching this guy his whole life having all the latest and greatest stuff. All of a sudden, he, he wasn't getting it no more, and I said, what would happen? I, told my, I asked my dad. He says, well, the insurance won't cover him no more because he keeps burning the car. Right, right, right. You know, can we get real in the house? Right? Because sometimes that's to the extent of it. Because our identity is so stuck on what we own or what we're driving or what we're wearing that it just, it takes over us. And it's that spirit of mammon that begins to creep up on us. And, and, and if you can love stuff as much as you want, it'll never bring you fulfillment. In fact, more stuff creates more dissatisfaction and more unfulfillment. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 it says, those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. And this is from the wisest, richest man who ever lived on earth. This is what he said. Wealth will never bring you true happiness. And so what are we supposed to do? Because we all have to face this spirit of mammon. Uh, in, in different times in our lives. Sometimes we're facing it for all our lives. Sometimes we've never even acknowledged that the spirit of mammon is on top and owns our money. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say that with confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Yes, Lord. And I don't know about you. Sometimes you feel like you're at the end of your rope. And, and, and there's a, you think like you're going to die, right? Like it's all over. And you're like, it, it's over because something happened. Because you lost your job. or because. And then guess what? The next day comes around you say, wow, I'm still alive, right? You didn't die. God, God, God. God is able to help us no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter what is in front of us, no matter how big the mountain seems, He is our refuge. Never will He leave you, never will He forsake you. It may not look the way you want it to look today, but maybe that's where we need to be today. In order to get where God has taken us, because He's got to free us from some stuff. So what do we do to overcome this? Truth number one, we have to return to God yeah. the first. We've been talking about that probably for the last few months. God wants the first. Yes. When you get up in the morning, He wants your first breath. Amen. And when you get up and say, Holy Spirit, I thank you for this day. That's the first. The first thing you look at on your phone should be a scripture. 
and not Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. If it's an alarm, shut your alarm up and say, Lord, speak to me. He wants the first. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 through 12, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. God never changes. He never changes. His principles continue. Because we're going to talk a little bit about tithing right now. And, and I know this is a tough subject, and I've heard people say, well, tithing is, is only for the Old Testament. Well, that's not true, because the Bible tells us that Abraham gave his tithe before the law ever existed. So tithing is a biblical principle. And here it says, I, the Lord, do not change. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, he says. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, and that's that curse of men. Your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. He goes on to say, test me in this. The only time in the Bible that God says this. It's the only time. Every other time it's like, he's not, he says, he's testing us. This time he says, test me, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. Praise God. It's a biblical principle. It's to give God the first. The first. Before you pay your mortgage, you should be paying your time. Before you put money in your 401k, you should be paying your time. I mean, it's okay. A 401k is cool. A retirement plan is, is okay. Uh, there's nothing. It's good stuff. There's nothing. It, 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 it's good, but it's not God. Yes. It's not God. That's and I know some people who put a lot of money away in their 401ks, right? And that's good. I have a 401k. I'm not against it at all. But I know some people in the 90s and in the late 90s and early 2000s, they put all this money. And then when the, the, the market dropped... Some people lost two, three hundred thousand. Because what they had put their faith in that. Yes, Lord. So I have a four hundred one k. I have a little retirement plan. But guess what? My faith is not in that thing. Yes, because if it, if I turn fifty five or sixty and it's not there, it's all good. It's okay. Because that is not my provision. But that, that's not my, my provision. His name is Jesus Christ. So with or without the four hundred one k, He continues to be my provider. That's why we do what we do. The sister in the house who, who just texted my wife this week from this church says, I've been tithing, I've been tithing, and I just it's been hard, I've been struggling, it's been so difficult to give sometimes, but I've been faithful. She says, all of a sudden at my job, I got a promotion. Hallelujah. And I know why I got the promotion. I got it because I've been faithful to God. I mean, I can tell you some testimony. There's testimonies in the house. Of how God is faithful. I mean, my wife and I, we, we've lived this for the last probably 15 years. But we've been faithful to giving our, our tithe to the Lord. What does that mean? It means that when you get a birthday card with $10, you give a dollar to the Lord. Hallelujah. 
And we need to teach our children how to do that. Because if we're not teaching them, then they, they get bound by the spirit of man as well. We need to teach our children. But it's kind of hard to teach them if we're not doing it. Two testimonies about tithing. And if you're a tither, you're going you're gonna to understand this. Number one, people who tithe say this, not sure how God did it, but I'm blessed. I've said that so many times. Things were even a little short this week. All of a sudden, things were short, and I had this letter that's been sitting there, and it looked like a bill so I, from the mortgage, so I haven't opened it. I just let it sit there. You ever do that? That thing's been sitting there for like a month. And I was cleaning some stuff out, and I looked at it, I said, I got to come to terms with this letter. So I opened it, and it was a check. Right? I overpaid my equity, and I was like, honey, we got no more money. Praise God. But that's how it's going. Here's the second testimony. So the first one was, I'm not, I, first one we said, I'm not sure how God did it, but he did it, and I'm blessed. The second one is this, and you're either one or the other. I can't afford to tithe. And I'll tell you this, you'll never be able to afford to tithe. Because tithing is what takes the stronghold away that the devil has over your finances. And it releases the blessing of God over that thing. Amen. That's right. And so it's not whether you can or you can't, it's that you have to. And we can argue that, argue. don't argue with me, argue with the Lord. Take it to Him. Say, you know, and, and, and then some people say, well, you know, I'm not giving to that church because I don't agree with that church. Well, praise God, don't give to that church. Go find another church to give to. Right? Give, you better give to somebody because if not, you're not blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The first always belongs to God. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 22 and 23. It says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. I would even challenge you if you, if you don't tie that, take the rest of 2018 and say, I'm going to test you, Lord, in this. Yes. I'm going to test you. If you don't start to give your tithe, When you tithe, you're blessing yourself, you're blessing your home, you're blessing your family, you're blessing your marriage, you're blessing your household, you're blessing those around you, because that's, that's the blessing of the tithe. Hallelujah. The other thing is, that the other thing we need to do is then, what, we need to what, get, get on a budget. It's important that we get on a budget. Um, it, this is not about how much you give. People. It's not about how much. God's not impressed with how much. He's impressed on how you give and the motive behind it. There's some times that it's been a little tough for us to give, but it's just in our in our world, my wife and my family, it's just not an option. It's not an option. I pay the tithe first. And if something else doesn't get paid, well, so be it. But there's no ifs, buts about it. My tithe belongs to the Lord. And I just want to go back to that first verse. We go back. Hallelujah. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. 
And then the next one, go to the next one, it says, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, you see it all belongs to God anyway, who will give you what is your own? In other words, God's, God's not going to trust you with more. So we all want more. We all need more. And, and God wants to give us more in his time. But if you can't trust us with a little, we're not going to see more. Or you might see it and you'll lose it. Hallelujah. Because money's not neutral. Money's never neutral. It always has a spirit on it. And I'm saying money submitted to God will thrive. Church, can we just stand? But it's, a, it's a, it's a message that breaks strongholds. If we can receive the truth of the lie that many of us have been living with for too long. And today, even if you want to start bringing your offerings, you can as we do this uh, altar call. But in the midst of, of uh, as you guys do that, and, and um, I just want to say one thing really doesn't have to do with, with uh, money, but it does have to do with the spirit. And, and last Sunday when I was up here preaching, I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me. I felt the Holy Spirit say this. He said, I could keep coming and touching some folks in the house. I could keep doing that. And that's what I've been doing. I've come and I've touched some people. They feel blessed and they go home and, and, and some people are growing. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit say this, but I that's not what I want to do. I felt the Holy Spirit say this. He said, I want to stay here. I want to rest in this place. And I was in my heart, I didn't have a conversation. In my heart, I'm like, I want you to stay here too. Like, that's what I want. And I've been trying to find out the word, but but I think one of the sisters helped me the other day. That how is he going to stay and rest here? We have to abide in him. We have to abide. What does that mean? We have to pursue him. There's a sense of pursuit for God. But where, where we get to a place that I don't want to live without you in my daily life, Lord. I don't want to figure it all out by myself. I need you to figure it out for me. And I thought the Holy Spirit says, see, because I have all the answers. In fact, I am the answer. And, and he said, if I abide in this place, if I remain in this place, and you pursue me, I'll bring it all. I'll bring the healing. I'll bring the, the provision. I'll bring the finances. I'll bring it all. But he said, but it's not about those things. See, see, it's not about the provision. Those are good. That's good. And it's not about the healing, and that's good too. It's not all about the liberation. That's good too. It's about Him. It's about Him. It's about us drawing closer to Him. It's about us not being so distracted by the things of this world that are temporary, that fade away. 
But it's about focusing our eyes on Jesus Christ and His Spirit. Because that's eternal. It's forever. It's truth. It's truth. It's truth. And I need some more Jesus in my life today. And so today, as the I'm just going to open this altar. If, if you need prayer, if, if you know that you need some more of God in your life, if you're hungry for His presence, take a few minutes to just come up here. We're just going to seek Him. We're going to seek Him today. If you're tired, you're tired of the same thing all the time. Just going to open up this altar and you come forward. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you listen on. Have a blessed week.